Disclosure, Hartman Digital Assets Fund LP and Hartman Ventures LLC may be allocated to some of the projects mentioned in this market update. This is not financial advice, nor are these buying recommendations. Always do your own due diligence. To investors and colleagues, as the digital asset space keeps accelerating, crypto asset managers like myself often have to pause and scratch our heads at the unbelievable dichotomy between what the masses and media view as a digital asset space and what really is happening in the trenches. If you tune on the news, or for that matter, Saturday Night Live, you will believe that the future of digital assets are meme coins named after dogs from Doge worth a staggering $66 billion to Shiba Inu worth $15 billion. Claiming that these projects, which openly started as jokes, represent the digital asset space is like claiming that the mac and cheese you heated up in the microwave is the future of fine dining. In today's market update, we're going to dive deep into a select number of projects that we are currently backing in order to highlight the vast differences between what is perceived as the trend in digital assets and what funds and institutional allocators like ourselves are actually looking at. These, of course, are neither buying recommendations nor is this financial advice, as we may change our stance at any given time. It is rather meant to give you an insight into modern-day analyses of crypto assets. You'll find that while the projects highlighted by the media are nothing but creator fool plays that are boiling in bubble territory, many of the projects in decentralized finance are so undervalued that even Ben Graham or Warren Buffett would like them. Let's dive into it. Felix Hartman, Managing Partner. Fundamentals versus Fundamentals. The crypto space as covered by mainstream media, or as we like to call it, the meme token space, could not be more different from the decentralized finance or DeFi space. Neither Bitcoin, Ripple, nor Dogecoin accrue value for the users. They all serve potential currencies. Currencies traditionally are not trade investments unless there is a demand for said currency that outpaces its inflation. Dogecoin, for example, has a current annual inflation rate of 3.85%, so you might as well hold dollars. XRP, on the other hand, has Ripple Labs and its founders controlling more than 50% of its entire $120 billion supply. I wouldn't trust a currency who claims to be decentralized, yet is more centrally controlled than quite a lot of fiat monies. And here's where Bitcoin shines. Bitcoin has a fixed supply schedule, making it a strong store value beyond being a pure currency. Additionally, Bitcoin ownership is more fairly distributed than that of Ripple, with 50% sitting in the hands of over 16,000 wallets rather than one centralized entity, not to mention that many of these 16,000 wallets likely represent exchanges and lost early wallets spreading the 50% ownership likely to the hundreds or hundreds of thousands of wallets. But that's also where the conversation stops. Beyond fixed supply economics leading to supply sinks due to holding behaviors, these type of assets have little fundamental value that is permanent or can lead to asset appreciation beyond the hopes of continued buying by market participants. Decentralized finance protocols have stood out from the rest of the market for being value accruing assets. Many of them have revenues, profits, and treasuries that enable us to fairly value them similarly to equities. Here are four decentralized finance networks that make it evident that we are neither in a bubble nor anywhere close to being overvalued. Number one, MakerDAO, the decentral bank. MakerDAO is not a new kid on the block chain. 
Quite the opposite, since March 2015, the Maker team has relentlessly worked on creating the first successful decentral bank and decentralized stablecoin. While the past six years presented the team with countless trials and tribulations, the 2020 global liquidity crisis being the latest major challenge to the protocol, Maker has successfully found product market fit and is scaling at unbelievable speeds. At the heart of it, Maker enables anyone to borrow money in the form of DAI, its stablecoin, in exchange for providing collateral. Maker then charges an interest rate, the proceeds of which are used to buy and burn the MKR token. A few notable achievements. First, since December 2017, DAI, the protocol stablecoin, has successfully traded continuously at a close to one-to-one -one peg against the US dollar without being backed by US dollars. Second, since the launch, there was only one major instance where the collateral debt positions were under-collateralized in the wake of the 2020 liquidity crisis. The decentral bank resolved this issue via decentralized governance by issuing new Maker tokens. Maker has now issued close to $5 billion worth of its own decentralized stablecoin. Four, Maker now earns over $200 million a year in profits. In the print version, I have pictures attached of some of the growth graphs. Despite rising a cool 713% this year, Maker continues to be undervalued as its fundamentals have risen even faster. With a PE ratio of 19.99, you will be hard pressed to find a hyper growth tech stock with orders of magnitude of growth left trading at such an incredibly low multiple. One fun fact for the road. In 2020, Deutsche Bank made 624 million euros in profits with 1.3 trillion euros in assets, with close to 85,000 employees. MakerDAO is on track to surpass Deutsche Bank in profits this year, already now making roughly 30% of Deutsche's profits with just 14 billion in assets and just a little over 100 team members. Code is eating finance. Step aside, dinosaurs. Protocol number two, Nexus Mutual, decentralized insurance. Now, what happens when all of a sudden $155 billion are being banked in smart contracts? Well, people smarter than the original developers try to find ways to exploit those smart contracts and run off with the money. Goodbye, bank robberies. Hello, smart contract exploits. Every month, some project gets attacked for millions of dollars. Quite naturally, this comes at the cost of trust. How can anyone ever feel comfortable enough to put their life savings into code that may or may not be vulnerable to attacks? Enter smart contract insurance. Nexus Mutual is the biggest decentralized insurance provider currently focusing on both smart contract exploits and bugs, as well as centralized exchange hacks. Who'd use such a niche product, you might think? Well, currently there are over $1.1 billion in on-chain funds insured via Nexus Mutual. And thus far, Nexus has collected over $40 million in insurance premiums. The way it works is that NXM token holders stake their NXM against projects they deem safe. In exchange, customers pay these stakers their premium. In the event of an exploit, stakers would have their NXM slashed and the insured would receive ETH as a reimbursement from the capital pool. While NXM Sports around a 25 PE ratio based on the past 12 months premium collected, it's worth noting that half of NXM's premiums were collected in the last 45 days alone. 
Yes, the last 45 days were as profitable as the 11 months preceding it. NXM is also unique for the fact that it uses a bonding curve, which uses a locking mechanism to ensure a minimum capital pool balance. Currently, NXM valued at $1 billion in market cap is backed by $620 million worth of Ethereum, making it one of the few projects with a tangible book value. Like MakerDAO, as long as Nexus keeps collecting insurance premiums and Ether maintains some value, it has both upward price pressure due to earnings and the price floor due to book value. Protocols number three and four, Bancor and SushiSwap, decentralized exchanges. After watching Coinbase IPO near $100 billion, I don't think I have to explain the value or demand of a crypto exchange. However, what if I told you there are entirely decentralized exchanges that allow you to trade any crypto asset in existence for any other crypto asset without underlying any jurisdiction or depending on third-party custody? Enter decentralized exchanges. Ever since last year, decentralized exchanges have experienced massive growth in the decentralized exchange space to the degree that a few decentralized exchanges have surpassed Coinbase in daily volumes at times. While not all decentralized exchanges successfully capture value for token holders to stand out lately. Users of Bancor, for example, that just shy of 40 million worth of trading volume on the decentralized exchange in October of 2020. Mere five months later, Bancor surpasses 3 billion in trading volume in the month of April. 5% of the trading fees of Bancor are used to permanently reduce the supply of BNT. This new structure was introduced in the beginning of April and has already locked up $1 million worth of BNT's supply forever. Analyzed, this is close to $12 million, which would cause an annual deflation of the BNT token around 1%, not taking into account any further growth. SushiSwap, on the other hand, is another popular decentralized exchange that does as much as $1 billion in trading volume a day, surpassing the likes of Kraken on some days. Sushi distributes 0.05% of all trading volume to Sushi token holders who stake the token. In April, for example, Sushi did $11.5 billion in trading volume, leading to $5.765 million in profits for Sushi token holders that were staking the token. Also note that only 31% of all holders uh, of also note that only 31% of all holders stake the tokens, multiplying these earnings by about 3x. Analyze we're looking at around 70 million in earnings, which at the $4 billion market cap it currently has leads to a 57p ratio. Now, again, considering that only 31% of sushi token holders are staking their tokens, this means that the adjusted PE ratio, if you're staking, is closer to 17.7. Final thoughts. A few things should become vastly evident. DeFi is incredibly real, with earth-shattering profits and growth. Secondly, DeFi is very, very, very far from being in a bubble. Third, several DeFi protocols are quite literally a steal, with PE ratios half of that of the S&P 500, which is, by most people, deemed a conservative investment. DeFi, number four, DeFi presents the rare opportunity of being allocated to both value and growth investments at the same time. Number five, you are likely under-allocated DeFi and real digital assets. And hopefully, you're not overexposed to popularized trash like Doge, Chiba, SafeMoon, XRP, ADA, and so forth. The digital asset market has matured a lot over the last 12 months. 
And it is time we start looking at individual sectors therein, rather than continuing the outdated trends of bundling them all up under misnomers like cryptocurrencies or altcoins. DeFi presents a generational opportunity only comparable to Bitcoin itself, and we're still unbelievably early. Single commercial banks hold over 100 times the assets that the biggest DeFi protocols hold. So we have not even scratched the surface of what's possible. And instead of fancy skyscrapers and multi-million dollar bonuses, the value accrued by DeFi goes right back to the token holders. I hope you enjoyed this market update. If you would love to hear more from me, um, we were covered in the news four times this month. Um, coming up this week between May 17th and 21st, I was interviewed on the Pomp podcast. You can catch it on Spotify. This was in English. On May 11th, I was featured on the Plug 52 podcast. This one is in German. On May 7th, I was featured in the, uh, the FAZ, Frankfurt Allgemeine Zeitung, um, where I shared some of my thoughts with one of Germany's biggest um, uh, econ economics and finance magazines. And then on April 22nd, I was covered by, um, uh, by a politician in his podcast, Java with Josh, where we discussed crypto assets as well. I hope to hear from you soon, and I wish you a wonderful rest of your May. Take care.